Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucksters? What's happening? I am Mark Marin. This is WTF, my podcast. Welcome to the show. Uh, today on the show, I've got one of the original crew of the SNL gang that uh, that started SNL, and that's Garrett Morris. And this is a, a, a pretty astounding interview, I would say. And I was uh, excited to talk to Garrett. So that's happening today. Also, many of you know, obviously, that the other day on um, well, on Monday, when I did the plug for David Bowie's new record, uh, Black Star, that uh, I had not heard the news that uh, the amazing uh, David Bowie was uh, no longer with us. I taped it the night before, and I, and I woke up to this horrible news. But um, I remember when I was reading the copy, you, you know, like I, I, I had this, you know, we, we were doing an ad for the album and I was uh, profoundly excited that David Bowie had the new record out because um, not unlike many of you, uh, I, I have to attribute David Bowie with, with really being responsible for a lot of my creative confidence a lot of uh, the way that, you know, I, I realized that you could really do whatever you wanted to do and you could really be, you know, whoever you wanted to be. And also that, you know, some of his music, most of it was transcendent and, and, and never hackneyed or, or, or never like anything else. And I was, uh, I was sad when I heard that he had passed away, I, I guess I wasn't devastated because, you know, people pass away. I'm going to pass away. We're all going to pass away. And and I thought he had left an amazing, amazing, you know, almost eternal bunch of work that, you know, and I just, I, I, I look at it, I look at the, the records and I mean, I think the first time that I ever you know, came in contact with, with his work was, I was 15, I was at camp, and some guy had that Greatest Hits Volume 1 with Space Oddity and Changes and some other stuff. Maybe it was Changes. When I was in seventh grade, Changes came out. Fame, no, it was Fame. 
And and I'd heard that uh, you know maybe John Lennon had sang on the background, but I think it was that one. I think it was Fame, and I think it was Fame, Fame, Fame. I think it was that thing that sort of said like, who is this guy? And then later, you, you know, I got to change his one album because that kid at camp had it. And then even later than that, you know, years later in high school, the Steve, the guy at the record store next door, started turning me on to you know the deeper cuts of Bowie and making me understand why uh, you know Bowie was a genius, a true fucking genius and also you know his approach or deconstruction or embracing of of even extraterrestrial sexuality on some level you know it was freeing david bowie provided those of us who were sensitive and creative the freedom to know that it was okay whatever the hell you were gonna do was okay and if you felt heavy-hearted about it you could just put on a fucking david bowie song and be elated and transcend the commonplace garbage that culture provides for us he was unto himself he was like another fucking planet and it was always consistent. But uh, I know that when I heard he died, that the first thing I listened to was uh, Station to Station. Twice. Station to Station twice. And then I listened to the song Heroes once. And then for some reason I put on Lodger. I just wanted to hear Lodger. It was a little more fun. And so I listened to Lodger. And, and that's sort of uh, you know what I did with that day. I think one of the hardest things about your heroes dying is that your heroes die and I don't know about you I may think about death in the abstract and I may sometimes think I'm dying but to really process mortality is fucking terrifying to me and I want it to be less terrifying I want to accept it I want to know it I want to feel the humility of it and act accordingly in relation to that without the fear. And I think when David Bowie does something like, you know, have the fortitude and the creative will and the grace to work when he knows he's dying, to leave something, a testament of that process and and a, a sort of timeless gift to those people who loved him and to people who don't know of him, that's, that's an amazing humility and commitment and acceptance. But I always have David Bowie. I can go into my house right now and play Heroes 10 times in a row if I want. And I've done that. You know, back in the 80s, for some reason, the song Heroes, still to this day, when he hits that high note, you know, it, I just, it consistently just it takes me to another place into something you know almost dark and victorious and it's so satisfying you know then you go to Iggy Pop you go to the idiot and then you go you know before that you go to Lou Reed you go to Transformer and then you know how excited like to this day I'm still excited when you know Satellite of Love comes on Transformer and you can hear David Bowie singing in the back and if I'm, if I'm with somebody I'll always say uh, you ready just listen oh oh you know in like that moment where you just you know it's both ah uh, and and if someone you're sitting with doesn't know the song very well you're like listen 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 and when David Bowie hits that high note in the background of Satellite of Love you're like that's fucking Bowie Oh, you build such a relationship with the work of these people. And the good news, the good news 
is that we we will always have that. And the the sad news is is that you know his generation of artists you know are getting older. You know, Lou was a pretty big hit, but then he started to realize, and sadly, you know, David Bowie was not old old, but he knew it was coming, and he gave us Black Star. And he gave us everything that he gave us. And uh, for those of us who love him, it's all there, man. It, it will always be there. And you can share it, pass it on down, or just sit with it. We're going to miss you, David Bowie. I am. You're so fucking great. So what else? Oh, geniuses. Geniuses. I'm not. I'm not calling you all geniuses. But, you know, if you want, it's okay. You can call yourself geniuses if you want. You can call other people geniuses. But, you know, there's only a few geniuses. And I know that some of you um, were listening uh, the other day before Charlie Kaufman. Those of you who, who hung in for the, uh, the opening ramble. And I told a story about my dad's cousin, Brent, the genius. Now, I don't keep in touch with that side of the family, and it's my father's first cousin. So I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know really what, what all happens, but because of the beautiful advent of technology, you know, people can get in touch. People can get in touch. And I told that story, and I got an, uh, uh, an email through my website email. Uh, Brent Marin, the genius chef, is the subject line. Hi, Mark. We met once at my grandparents' 50th or 60th anniversary. Eli uh, was my grandfather and Bookie uh, Marin was my grandmother. Now, I knew Eli and Bookie. They were, you know, they were in Jersey. They were, I, I loved Uncle Eli. I knew Uncle Eli. He came to my bar mitzvah. He was my dad's uncle. He was my grandpa's brother. I knew Eli and Bookie very well. I have very good memories of them. But I met them when their kids were almost grown, obviously. But anyways, he goes, I listened to your most recent podcast this morning. It brought such a huge smile to my face to hear a story about my father. Not sure if you know, but he passed away in 2011. He really was a very smart man, and I feel fortunate to have had him in my life. Thank you for sharing your experiences. My mother listened as well after knowing there was a girlfriend mentioned. That was her. She asked if I could let you know that, quote, she did not smoke pot that night, unquote. <laughs> Come over for eggs anytime. My dad trained me as a chef. Jess Marin. Because a few of you were like, what happened to Brent the genius? Well, sadly, uh, Brent passed away, but his son, uh, uh, Jess, reached out to me. And, uh, and that, was, um, that, was, that, was a, that was a nice way to uh, open the email box. All right, so this brings us to uh, Garrett Morris. Um, Garrett Morris gets uh sometimes does not get the recognition he deserves he was obviously uh or maybe not if you don't know the first uh african-american performer on snl on the original snl he'll tell that story among many other stories he's a character he's lived through some shit he's got a great spirit and uh and he was and it was great fun to talk to him i learned a lot of things about him and about snl and about uh you know, just the struggle that is the creative life. So let's go now to uh, my conversation with um, 
Garrett Moore. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school, or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature, and now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or need to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Foxed Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts yeah listen, let me call somebody a hot date and tell them we won't make it tonight what do you mean you got time <laughs> what you be I'll, I'll have to see how they on. she's killing my ass <laughs> it's good to know it doesn't go away oh it doesn't go away thank you jesus <laughs> I'm a Buddhist, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking Jesus. <laughs> so, look, I'm right now, I may not be able to make it tonight, okay? Yes, I'm fine. Just that Mark Marin. thinks he's in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. He's not. I said, yeah, I said, Mark, this is Highland Park, right? I'm thinking it's Highland Park over in L.A. No, it's Highland Park over near Glendale. Yeah. Well, that's a Highland Park in L.A., you know? Hancock. But, there was Hancock. Oh, okay. All right. Hit me on the face. Hancock Park. Right. Okay. I got it. Let me, yeah. Now you heard Mark just now. Let me get off because I'm wasting his time. But let me call you back, baby. Okay. 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 Bye. Go ahead, Mark. Yes. Yes. Let's get it on. Put some cans That's on. That's right. That's what happened with me. I know what happens. Highly yeah. You were thinking Park, I had Hancock a lot. Park. You were thinking I had a lot more money than I do. Huh? You were thinking I had a lot more money than You're I do. You're thinking it. All you guys would trust. Act like you don't have them. I got no trust fund. <laughs> <laughs> I built this garage from scratch, uh, Mr. Morris. And it's looking like something from the 60s, ladies and gentlemen. It does, right? Yes. It's yes, bringing you right. back? That's right. It looked like some naked girl from Woodstock. <laughs> yeah. Looks like a, like a hippie archive. <laughs> right. Some some girl from Woodstock who has that wet top on that you wore. <laughs> I used so to did love. you work today? Yeah, I did, yeah. Over at Two Broke Girls? Yes, sir. Look, after renegotiation, yeah. they're going to be broke, okay? <laughs> I and know. I love it. It's going to go on it. for a while. They're some of the hardest working, finest looking ladies in mm-hmm. the business, but they're hard working. They don't... They don't bring. I mean, they give you every inch. You quit. You don't quit, man. I mean, it's been. You've been working a long time. I've been lucky. I've been lucky, Mark. I've been lucky. Look, I'm in the business where only twenty percent of working at any given time. So let's first of all say I'm lucky. You're doing good. Yeah, I'm doing all right. I'm, I'm competing. Wait, uh, now let me, let's go back because, like, I I just talked to Lauren Michaels. Yes, I know. Oh my God. Now Jenny Fleck. Now Jenny Fleck. Okay. Just okay. I, the I, name. I did the best I could. You know. You know, just like at the name of Jesus, at the name of Lauren. <laughs> Every knee must bow. <laughs> Did it feel that way when you were there? Hell yeah. <laughs> Are you lying? Of course, man. I mean, Lauren never pulled that out, but she just understood. You felt it? Matter of fact, the more silent you are as a master, the worse it is. It's all like, it's all like my grandmother 
would never ever spank me. Right. My grandfather would whip the hell out of me right. and even put wealth. My grandmother, you know how she got me? How? She looked at me. Uh-huh. The look in her eyes yeah. was of such total disappointment. <laughs> you have totally, totally, completely disappointed me. Right? <laughs> that was, you wanted to just fall to a hole. That, 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 that was what Lauren had. That's Lauren had, right. I, yeah, right. I, I feel yeah. that, and I, and I don't even know him. <laughs> so he would look at you and say, "Cause and you know, during those times, I admit I did a lot of stuff that I I won't say. I hate to say regret anything. I was in that at the time. It was it was wrong. What was wrong? I'm gonna Some say drugs, drugs, a lot of drugs, lot yeah. of drugs. I I got on cocaine way back there when they called it the white lady. Yeah, right. When it was still okay to do after dinner. No, but see, white lady is a nice term. <laughs> sure, man. For can I say the word? Yeah. For a motherfucker that's gonna wreck your life, right? <laughs> yeah. So I found out that the white lady was really a hermaphrod and hermaphrodite. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> and she had a long dick. A long one. Right? Yeah. She had dick to spare. Yeah. Matter of fact, when she walked out the street, she scratched it and got scars yeah. on it. That's how long this dick was. And right? the white lady fucked And she you. shoved it up my ass and just kept it there. She said, mm, I feel good here. I'm going to say it for like 30 years. Wow, that's a long but, run. But hello. Yeah. 10 years ago, I joined America. Uh, uh, Alcoholics. Alcoholics Anonymous, and although you're not supposed to mention it, no, I mean, one thing I hear about Alcoholics Anonymous, the God is alcohol. Yeah. As if people on coke and heroin yeah. and meth don't get wrecked too. Oh, sure. But they run you crazy. Yeah. They call you. They imagine you. They get your sponsor. Now, God. They you, did it. You get rid of the habit just to get rid of them motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, stop stop annoying shit. me. Stop annoying me. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. Okay, I'm stop. <laughs> right? I got 16 years. I know the feeling. I got 10 years as of October 13th. Uh, Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. You went man. a long run with the blow, dude. Oh, 30 years, bro. That's a long time. One deviated septum. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get that fixed? I got it fixed. I got it fixed. But, but still a little weak. But I remember you when I was a kid from SNL, and they, and but the the thing is, like you, that, ladies and gentlemen, that made me feel real old. Okay, Go you ahead, look Jeff. great. Thank you, you look very great. Much. But I mean, but you're a little older than me. <laughs> but you were, but you were acting before that. Yes, yes. I have not. Fact, uh, on Saturday Night Live gave me the comedian mantle. Right. I was just an actor for sixteen years. Sixteen. Uh, fact, I started off as a singer arrangement with Harry Belafonte. Where, so where'd you grow up? New Orleans, Louisiana. Really? Well, New Orleans, Louisiana, if you live there. (laughs) That's where you were born? Born born in New Orleans, raised in New Orleans in Morgan City, Louisiana. Uh, My grandfather was a Baptist minister who was an assistant pastor in New Orleans. Uh Uh-huh. But my mom was raped, uh, and I found it out when I was 30. And when she uh, had me, uh, she was 16. No kidding. And my grandfather was, we'll go to his dysfunction, but basically he treated her like, Fecal matter. Yeah. Put her out. The pr- This is the minister. The minister, right. Uh-huh. But uh, they did take me. My grandfather and my grandmother took me, which actually was a great thing. Because, wow. Yeah. So I was raised, when he left New Orleans to go and pastor a church in Biloxi and then in Morgan City, I went with him at four years of age. So in this, 
uh, in elementary school, in the wintertime, I was in Morgan City, and in the summer, I'd go back to New Orleans. So I had the winter for Morgan City, summer for New Orleans. And You uh, saw your mother, though? Did you have a relationship oh, yeah, with her? Oh, relationship. yeah, yeah, yeah. But my mom, you know, let's say if for the first 14 years of your life, your grandmother is the thing, yeah. you're calling her, you're relating her like she's yeah, your mother. Yeah, sure. And I used to really, I realized the difference. Uh-huh. So I began to call her what a lot of people use in down there is Madea, uh-huh. right? And by the way, it is not spelled M-E-D-A-A. D-E-A, as some person has spelled Medea, it right. in this movie. Okay? Right, right. It's M apostrophe D-E-A-R, Madea. We got to correct that guy. Yeah, it's not Madea. Yeah, you hear Madea. that, Tyler? Right, it's Get Madea. your shit straight. Right, right. That's right. Get that. <laughs> <laughs> my grandfather, despite all the other stuff he did, was yeah. responsible for whatever happened in my brain uh-huh. because I now understand from the experts you got to talk to the child, sing to the sure. child, right? <laughs> yeah. So he had me on his knee at like, two and a half, three, reading the Bible. Right. Figured he pr- produced mm-hmm. a well-constructed moral person. Yeah, maybe another. Failure on that one. <laughs> Could go either way with right. that. But <laughs> what he did was, because he read to me yeah. all the time, I was told that at three and a half years of age, I actually was reading the Bible. Now, Mark, if at three and a half I was actually reading the Bible, I didn't know what the fuck I was reading. <laughs> until okay. 10 years ago. Right, until 10 years ago. <laughs> 10 years ago. But, but yeah. um, I, that was my first thing. Then when I was four years old, they found out I had this Vienna choir voice. Uh, I was singing high tenor. Right. So I uh, started singing it. With you were gospel. singing the church choir? In the gospel quartet oh, at yeah, first. Yeah, yeah, gospel yeah. quartet. Yeah, yeah. And on Thursday, I, yeah, I was in the junior choir. And on Fridays, I was in the senior choir. This was like six years of age, seven so years So you had that powerful voice. I was pretty good as a Vienna. I, the, 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 however, those Vienna choir boys sound, that's how I sound. Like, I was singing E flat above high C. Okay. Real high. Yeah, I was singing up there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so my first experience was with gospel music. And I also had a very crazy grandfather because way back, then, I don't know if you know, blues was sure. called evil. Oh, yeah. But he had me, his son, listening yeah. to Ray Charles and Charles Brown yeah. and Louis Jordan in his parsonage, uh-huh. right? So he was a hypocrite. He liked the blues. Oh, he loved the blues, right? <laughs> yeah. But he also, I was singing gospel, but he had me listen to Ray Charles and him mm-hmm. in his office. So, and also... Uh, on Monday nights and Thursday nights, on Monday nights you had the Bell Telephone Hour, mm-hmm. and on Thursday nights you had the Firestone Hour, yeah. which was classical music. Yeah. So I was really, he was hooking me up to music in general. At so you got to thank him for that? At an early age, I never even thought of that different. I thought of it only as music, even now. Yeah. You know, See, I can listen to, okay, some question, country and western runs me crazy, okay? Yeah, yeah. But I'm a great lover of um, Earl uh, uh, Scruggs. Uh, Scruggs, yeah. I, oh, my God. Yeah. They're he's gods. A, uh, he's the banjo player, right? They are gods. Yeah. Okay. You yeah. never heard anybody play yeah. bluegrass oh, like yeah, that. Oh yeah, 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 ever. yeah. Uh, so I was into Hank Williams. Yeah, right? sure. Uh, at an early age, I was also into a guy named Louis Jordan, whom you never heard of. I have heard Louis Jordan. But during the forties, he ruled. Yeah, he ruled. My early experience was like that, so mm-hmm. I evolved out of that, and uh, at a certain point, I even thought I was going to be a minister, which of course, when I began to deal with theater and entertainment, I in my head knew that I was I was going to try to be in music yeah. and into theater. Well, yeah, ministry is its own theater and entertainment. Hello, hello. <laughs> uh, so, so I was dealing with that, and, and I was going back to, to New Orleans during the summer. Were you taking I, in the music there? Yeah, yeah. Well, oh, I yeah. mean, I used to... Um, 
There was a couple of clubs in. I was born in Gertown, yeah. New Orleans, right? Uh, by the way, uh, a great, the great musician, Alan Toussaint, yeah, he passed away. Yeah, and I found out he was born in Gertown too. Right? Oh, really? Uh, yeah, close born, by. Yeah, and he mentioned one of the clubs. Talking about the club, he mentioned one of the clubs. I used to stare through the window and the dude drop in. Uh huh. Right. Yeah. They had the dude drop in and Joy Tavern in 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 Gertown. Yeah. And as a kid. I used to peep through and just say, damn, one day I want to be an adult and go in there and just do what they're doing. Uh, I, was, um, I was, however, a student at Dillard with Ellis Marcellus. Oh, really? Yeah, when he was then playing the saxophone. Is he the dad? Ellis Marcellus is the dad of, obviously, oh, some uh, wicked witch uh-huh. produced this man, Ellis Marcellus. Every, he's a genius, and every one of his children <laughs> are geniuses. <laughs> Come on. Something happened. You know they talk about Robert Johnson went to the crossroads. That's made right. yeah. Ellis made a deal with the devil somewhere on the seven sisters, because yeah. every one of his sons is he, a He is made a several deals. deals. He had several an deals. ongoing relationship. Right. <laughs> and when I was a kid, yeah. the first time I heard cool jazz, Mm-hmm. And what would be called avant-garde jazz yeah. was through the horn, his horn, and to a piano player uh, named Roger Dickerson. Where was that? That was at in, Dillard where, University. Where, I was a freshman. Where's Dillard? That's in New Orleans, Louisiana. Okay, it's part of the LCOC. Yeah, and he would be there then as a student playing great saxophone, not playing the kind of jazz I heard from yeah. Pablo Celestino. Uh-huh. I said. Alice, what is this you're playing, yeah, yeah. right? And he's already heard Miles and people right, like that. Right. And I'm like, damn, I'm loving this shit, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and Roger Dickinson, who, by the way, wrote a symphony that was played by the New Orleans Symphony when he was like, what, in his 20s or yeah. something. So these guys, I really, and I lost him because at a certain point he was gone. I forgot, oh, yeah, people graduated. Told sure, yeah. <laughs> but he, you could tell he was a genius. <laughs> I could tell even then. Yeah, even sure, then. yeah. Later on, when I f- was reunited with him in terms of his fame, he was now piano playing the piano. And until this day, I still think of him with that horn. Right. Like, horn. like when you were a kid. Right, right. Yeah. But where do you go from Dillard? Oh, oh from Dillard, I went to New Orleans, uh, to New York. Yeah. Um, you want the whole story? Sure, why not? Well, I... I want to get you to Harry Belfani when you meet yeah, him. Yeah, in New York's, in New Orleans, yeah. uh, at the end of uh, Dillard, right? Yeah. Um, I had deteriorated into, by the time I was a senior, I was not on the honor roll anymore. What happened? Uh, I was, well, I'll get to it. I was on the honor roll for like my uh, f- freshman year, sophomore year. Yeah. Junior year, I started falling down. And I was, I was also, I was being written up in who's who in the university and colleges, which mm-hmm. then I lost that. And I lost my uh, scholarship uh, because um, a whole lot of things happened domestically that I don't want to go into, but basically as blissful and as progressive as my mother's side of the family was. Yeah. When I got to New Orleans, I had 180 degrees on the other side with my father's family. Uh-huh. My father was never on the scene. Yeah. Uh, my grandmother was apparently in a class with that lady who was Sybil mother, Sybil's mother. Okay. Okay. Yeah. May I say it more? Yeah. Uh, because basically, uh, I'm going to go through it, but she imported a whole negative energy in terms of lowering the self-esteem of practically all of her children. Mm-hmm. And because I was raised by my mom's family and mm-hmm. had my self-esteem intact, yeah. she couldn't deal with that. Right. So by the time I graduated from Dillard, after having told everybody what I want to do is go, be in show business and write, sing, act, whatever, she's saying to me, no, you don't go. 
So you what, can't yeah, go. Yeah. She told me what she told all of her kids, mainly, you're my property, you owe me. You're her you grandson. Right, you owe me. Now, I'm 20 years old, right? Yeah. And I've already made it clear that I want to yeah. write, act, sing. She said, no, you can't do anything with that. You're going to feel like that. You stay here and you teach school. M- grandma, I don't have an education thing. I got, no, I don't care. You owe me. I'm your grandmother. Now, mind you, which all can I say, ladies and gentlemen, I love my grandmother, but she was, in this case, a bitch. A monster. Because she hadn't really raised me. Right. My mother's family Why'd raised Why'd you me. listen to her? My by then my grandmother had died. Yeah. My uh, mother, uh, my grandfather had married another lady. So basically, that family had disappeared. So I was forced to deal with my father's uh-huh. side of the family in a much more dependent way. Uh-huh. And I was a rebel, uh-huh. uh, which by the time I did get to ready to go to get my degree and leave, uh, um, we had uh, a confrontation which involved me coming in to get my clothes. Uh, she said she's waiting for me. She talked to me first. Now, if yeah. you ever seen soap operas, yeah. this is where it went. Because uh-huh. my grandmother by now is a master manipulator, and uh-huh. I now know it. Uh-huh. Right? So I'm 20 years old. She comes in. First of all, she talks very seriously yeah. about how I'm being unrealistic. You're not. How can you go there? You're not going to study. Blah, blah, all of that. that yeah, yeah. Look, Chopin. Blah, 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 blah. I just said, then she cries. Ah. Uh. And that got you? She, no, no, that didn't. Okay. Because she saw neither one got me. You know what she did the next time? Uh-huh. Bap, boom, pop, pop, pop. This, I'm talking about the South, man, where grandmothers beat the hell out of the kids, uh-huh. okay? Sure enough, she whipped the hell out of me. Right? No shit. With her fist. Uh, and um, I just ducked my head, took my thing, and when I left, and this is the absolute truth, and I'm only saying because I'm on your kind of machine. Yeah. When I left, my grandmother cursed me. She cursed you. My, my father's mother uh-huh. cursed me and told me I would not succeed. No shit. So basically when I went to New York, I had all of that drudgery in me. She said she cursed you? She No, she cursed me and said, I curse you, you will not succeed and blah, 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 blah. Anyway, I get up to New York City and my grandmother had a, a daughter, my, my oldest aunt on my father's side, mm-hmm. who had also tried to elope mm-hmm. and had problems with my grandmother because sure uh and where's your father and all this he's just gone like i said he was never on never. the scene right. um so when i went to to new york yeah after having had this to my yeah. grandmother i'm going there thinking my aunt she was a rebel she eloped she's yeah. gonna hook me up yeah not knowing my grandmother's called her uh-huh and has dug into that part of my aunt Sp- that spreading still, the curse that around still that still right. had that um, brainwashing. Yeah, That's yeah, what we're yeah. talking about. We're talking yeah. about brainwashing. Sure. Yeah. We're talking about abusive. Yeah, yeah. That abusive energy was there. And sure enough, my aunt put me out. You so got the, to New York. She's like, so fuck you. Five, so for the first, yeah, for the first five weeks that I was in New York, I was homeless. Mm. And I was sleeping on top of rooftops. I was sleeping in those little drainage things that sure. they have. By now, and I had a degree in my little suitcase, right? And I had many women, because I had uh, been involved in a, a, a vocal contest in Philadelphia, uh-huh. where I won second place. And this lady met me then and said, well, if you come to New York, call me, I'll help you out. So I didn't realize, had I gone to that lady right away, I wouldn't have had to have that, but I had so much pride and all that stuff, right? So swept Plus, in the I, street. Had I just turned and went to the YMCA, I would have gotten help. Yeah. All of that, they had all, I wasn't thinking like that. Yeah. So. I left my brief, my suitcase with this lady because I was too ashamed to tell her I was homeless. Uh-huh. She's thinking, he just leaving the suitcase, he's going out, he's going out, right? Sure enough, 
I get arrested twice. The first time, a black cop lets me go. Yeah. He finds out I'm from Dillard and all that. He yeah. says, but look, man, you can't sleep on top of the rooftop. <laughs> okay, they're going to put you to jail, right? Yeah. Sure enough, I don't do it. Well, like, sure enough, the next time, I'm not putting a racial thing on this, but his white captain finds yeah. me, yeah. scolds him, and puts handcuffs on me, and I wind up in jail. Yeah. All right, so now I'm crying because I know what's going to happen is what my grandmother predicted. Uh-huh. She predicted I would fail, and sure enough, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Until on the Monday that I am in the uh, courthouse, yeah. I see something, Mark, I had never seen in my life. What? I see a black judge. <laughs> Yeah. I'm thinking this is a, a show or something. This motherfucker can't be the judge. <laughs> right? And the white guy said, yes, you're right. Yes, you're right. Yes, you're right. Yes, you're right. And the black sergeant, the black guy, you know, he goes up to him whispering in his ear, right? Yeah. And so the judge says, really? I didn't realize that he had whispered to the judge that I was a college graduate. Uh-huh. Right? Because the guy had seen my uh, Your diploma. Yeah. yeah. The judge said, really? Come up here. He said, you a college graduate? Yeah. <laughs> so I said, yes, sir. His name was Kenneth W. Stamp, uh-huh. by the way. Uh-huh. Um, he said, uh, you a college graduate? I said, yes, sir. He said, what's your, he said, where you, he said, where'd you graduate from? I said, yeah. Dillard University. Now, he's going to test me because he thinks I'm lying. Oh, he's going to see if I'm lying. Right. Because prob- I'm a Buddhist, so I'm not going to say God did it or yeah. Jesus did it. Yeah. I might say God did it, but not necessarily Jesus. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Providence had caused him the week before to be in a convention called by Dwight Eisenhower, a convention of black college presidents and lawyers, yeah. black lawyers. Uh-huh. So he had met my president. Right. So he said, you come from Dillon? What's your president name? I said, Albert W. Dent. He said, send that boy to my chambers. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I'm sitting there. Now, I know something has happened. Yeah. I'm starting to cry right away because I don't know whether he's going to pack me up and just put a ribbon on it and send me back to the office. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure enough, he comes in, he calls the YMCA, and uh, the YMCA, uh, the executive director, um, says, yeah, we'll let him see until he gets a job. So I said, I got a job. And while I'm there, I go downstairs to, um, because then my voice was in top shape, and I still was singing a lot of German leader, French art song, Italian art song, uh-huh. all that stuff. And you have to, uh, singing classical music, even if you're on the more lyric side of it, means you're like an athlete. You yeah. gotta go three or four times a week to a coach and just have that muscle do it. Is this opera? Or is it just classical? Classical uh, concert music yeah. is more like stuff you hear from Handel's Oratorio oh, yeah. and stuff like that. Okay, okay. It's not the arias. Yeah. Maybe some arias, like I sang Dalla Suapache on S. On S. Yeah. Because it wasn't mass Now that's a more lyric thing. Yeah. So anyway, there was a gentleman. You're in top shape, though. Yeah, there was a gentleman who was with the Belafonte singers who just come there to rehearse as well. His name was Ned Wright. Where were you rehearsing? The YMC on 135th Street. Yeah, the YMC on 135th Street. So he hears me, and he says to me, well, you know, they're looking for a tenor. The Belafonte singers are looking for a tenor. Now, the Belafonte singers are a group that Harry managed and basically sent them out by themselves, and only sometimes he sang with them at the uh-huh. Greek theater at, um, uh, in New York City or something like that, but they went by themselves. So I went in an audition, and I got the job, right? And you're like 20. 21, 21, uh-huh. yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I got the job. So that's how I started off. Now, the first so, 10 years of my career, basically every half year before like 10 years, I was with Belafonte. But that was like maybe six months a year at a job. Did you have a, a relationship after, with him? 
No, I can't say that. Some of the other guys did because I was in the third group. So okay. by the time I get there, the older guys have been in the first two groups, right? Who they really related to him on a much more personal. But level. you met him and stuff. I met him. I met him, and he made jokes sometimes because I was. I'm out of it, but I was definitely an introvert. So mm-hmm. the fact that he didn't talk to me was maybe because I didn't just do what they did. So he had it. like a franchise going with these groups. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And he disbanded the group whenever it got good. Okay, yeah. <laughs> now that's another story because he disbanded the third group right after we won the Folksing Award for that year. Okay, you won it. Yeah, we won the Folksing Award for that year, and he disbanded us. But uh, why? I, you have to ask him, you know. <laughs> I needed that job. Uh, but uh, so what Six happened? months on, six months off. Right. So what happened was that's how I got into the business. And the other six months, I'd either be doing other stuff or doing off-Broadway plays. or uh, We even did a couple. I did a couple of Pogan Besses. Oh, yeah. Uh, a showboat or two. And I was acting off-Broadway when I wasn't with him. So I was building my resume as an actor, just an actor, mm-hmm. when I wasn't working with him. By that time, uh, I had already hooked up a couple of plays, uh, which uh, one of which uh, one was a thing called a, "The Secret Place." Yeah, Lauren, I'm going to Lauren. So Lauren, Lauren came to town looking for a playwright, a writer, and one Lauren of my, Michaels. Yeah, and my, one of my friends said, um, "Hey, he's looking for a writer. Send me a play." So I did. He read it. Basically, um, it has involved a young man who is the child of a minister uh-huh. who has a whole lot of, he becomes a cop. Yeah. But a whole lot of stuff is in his head that involves the state mm-hmm. and the church. Mm-hmm. And it's more a uh, in and out of surrealism about how that works in the mind of anybody right. who's dealing with trying to That's be. That's deep shit. Well, thank you. My <laughs> ex-wife would disagree. <laughs> you were married at the time? No, no. I, Actually, I wasn't mad at that time, no. Yeah. I had been divorced at, the Already? Divorce at that time. Already, right. Um, you, we didn't get to that part of the story. We didn't get that far, right. All right, so Lauren's he's looking for a playwright. Right. But and, you had you done you'd done some TV already, in the movies or anything? I had done uh, some movies, a couple of movies. Yeah, I did, um, now, the first one I did a part yeah. was Where's Papa? Yeah, yeah, With yeah. Uh, Carl Reiner. Was that fun? Oh, that was a lot of fun. Carl Reiner is great to work with. Man. Yeah, 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 he's yeah. a sharp guy. Uh, yeah, and he uh, enlarged the part a little bit for me. Oh, know? yeah, yeah. And then I did uh, the Anderson tapes with yeah. uh, that um, Sidney Lumet. Oh, yeah. Uh, in which I actually shoot Sean Connery and kill him. That's a He's a deep guy, that Lumet. Yeah, good. he was. Yeah, he Man, was. Good, yeah. good director. Chris, uh, Christopher uh, Walken was in that. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Do you remember? Uh, did you guys talk and hang out? Was a couple he... times, but um, uh, my main uh, friend was a guy who's now passed on, Dick Williams, who was a part of the gang that committed the robbery. So it was Christopher Walken, Dick Williams, and I forgot who else was yeah. the ones, that, and, and, and Sean yeah. um, robbed this building. Right. right? And um, so I... Uh, Dick and I were friends anyway, because Dick um, had a workshop that I worked in, which... Acting workshop? Oh, yeah, yeah. Dick Dick had an improvisation workshop. Mm-hmm. We did a lot of improv, uh, not like Second City, because right. Second City was more trying to teach you how to be funny. Right. Uh, our improv was more teaching you how to be real, mm. which meant you can be funny sometimes, you can be dramatic sometimes, so you, as long as you're dealing with a real subject. Mm-hmm. So in Dick's workshops and in uh, Gilbert Moses' workshops... And then Grand Street Hill, any uh, of the workshops at yeah. that time, more, uh, if, you, if it was a black workshop or a Latin workshop, it was dealt with more like problems mm-hmm. of junkieism, you know, mm-hmm. um, junk uh, of addiction, drug addiction, uh, teen pregnancy, mm-hmm. um, 
know, social issues, social issues, community and, issues. Yeah, and it could become funny. Yeah, no. sure. So for me, um, when when I did finally become a part of the Not Red for Time Town players, uh-huh. and they started improvising, yeah, I was at a serious handicap. Moment. Oh yeah, <laughs> because <laughs> Second City. I was so amazed, particularly at all of them. Yeah. But for me, John, and even more so Gilda, uh-huh. just were like effortless. Uh-huh. Effortless in getting to the thing that was funny, uh-huh. you know? And there, there. Well, how did it gamut- happen? So Lauren, he's looking for a playwright, and how do you get in there? Oh, you want the nasty story, see? No, not really. Want, not okay. Really. What happened was uh, there were a couple of people who felt I could not write. Uh-huh. And as a matter of fact, because after about a eight months being there, I realized that although I could write plays in which you had long speeches. But he hired you. Right, right. Yeah. But I wasn't getting down to writing stuff 30 seconds long, a minute long. A minute At SNL, long, right. right. Except that I did get one idea yeah. that came out of the play. Yeah. In the play, right? Secret place. Secret place. There's a point, because it's about a cop who infiltrates this black nationalist group, mm-hmm. right? And in that group, we hear the group say, comically, that when they go to fundraisers attended by blacks, they don't get shit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Or they get a little bit. Yeah. But when they go to... uh. Uh, a fundraiser attended by whites, particularly guilt-ridden whites. Yeah, they get loads of money. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. So it wasn't so much they were putting down, but they were glad that these whites had a little bit of guilt. Uh huh. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Right. So the joke was this black nationalist group working for a black cause gets its money from white people. Right. <laughs> All right. And that made it in. Right. So. It almost did for me until the person I told it to told it to somebody else uh-huh. who took it and wrote it as their own uh-huh. and didn't let me in, right? You're not mentioning names? <sighs> I'm not going to mention names because you're going to guess it. But this gentleman is a brilliant man. Uh, his life now has taken another thing. He's now politically active. Oh, yeah. A very important political person. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And uh, was one of the writers for SNL, the original So SNL. you know who it is, right? <laughs> so, uh, uh-huh. He was a brilliant man who I knew at the time uh-huh. was a wrestling champ. I knew that. Uh-huh. But I'm so crazy that if you fuck with me, yeah. I'm coming at you even if I know you can break my leg. He's a, yeah, that's right. He's a stocky little wrestler. And that day, I was going to I was going to do a Scoy Mitchell. You know who Scoy Mitchell, no, Mitchell did? No. He knocked out a white producer in 1960-something. Have you ever heard of him since? Nope. Hell no. Okay. <laughs> so, so, so you're going to take him out. I was. I knew it was going to be rough. Yeah. I knew I might win it, he might fuck with me. Yeah. But I was so pissed off that the one idea that I got, instead of saying I'll cooperate with you, right, because he had more going, he had sure. more juice about it. Yeah. He could have done what he always do, partly in somebody who is less experienced. Right. right? He dealt me like, uh, 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 really, to this day, that particular moment in his life, to me, is not one of his brightest moments. No. He's a brilliant man who has a lot of great moments, but that moment was a moment when he simply took advantage of one he thought he could do it too. Yeah. Right? So what happened was, I'm a Buddhist, right, who believes- You cause- were a Buddhist then? No, I wasn't, but I'm okay. now. And I understand, <laughs> I understand it caused effect, caused effect because I was still cool about it. I'm gonna tell you how serious it was. I wasn't even sweating. I was so serious, I wasn't even nervous. I had made up my mind. You're going right? to take that guy down. I was going to do something to let him know how much I didn't like what he did. 
Sure enough, I get there and somebody, I forgot who said, uh, Garrett, uh, Lauren wants you in the green room. Yeah. So I go to the green room and they're looking at Cooley High. And they come to my part and I play Mr. Uh, Mesa and that's the thing. Lauren says, There's I a want, movie you did? Yeah. 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 And uh, Lauren says, I want you to audition for the Not Ready for Primetime Players. The, but did Lauren know that you and you and that unspoken guy were were at at odds or no? Was I it, I remember saying something to him about it. Yes, yeah. but let's face it. Yeah, it's like your word against his word. Sure, right? but do you think and that least, he had you in as some sort of concession? Like you know, let's let's let me get, let me get to the part because basically two people didn't want me there. Mm-hmm. Right, two people on the staff. Mm-hmm. The others were dealing with hey, keep him here. But some people who were producers were agreeing with the two writers, the mm-hmm. head writers. Uh, Lorne at that time showed me that he's a guy, you may be a devil, but you're his devil. Uh-huh. And when he wants to get rid of you, he'll get rid of you then, uh-huh. right? So basically, that's what he, his response to them was. Uh, so he agreed um, to hook me up as a not ready for time time player and really, and check me out, not have me be a writer, which uh-huh. means that year when they won the writing, the Emmy, I didn't get one. Uh-huh. To this day, yeah, it's something that's in my crowd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Buddha's taking care of it, right? Uh, Buddha's taking Buddha's care of it. Buddha's taking care of it, that's right. Right. But here's the thing, is that particular piece mm. about the- uh, The black nationalists. Yeah. yeah. That piece um, came out this way, because I did do it. Yeah, Right. you acted in it. Yeah, and it uh, was a way of really making it funny and making the point. Because mm-hmm. in it, I say, uh, "Yeah, I stand here representing four hundred years of oppression." You know, you white people. I know you feel guilty about the way you treated my grandma, my great grandpa, and my great grandfather. That's right, my great grandmother. She was a slave, got raped by her slave master. And my great-grandfather was a slave. Yeah, he too got raped by his slave master. Slave master might have been gay. Oh, <laughs> uh, bye. Anyway, I know you feel guilty. For all of those who feel guilty, don't worry. I come with relief. I'm going to relieve your guilt. Here's how I'm going to relieve your guilt. Send me some money. <laughs> Okay? <laughs> send me some money. Send it to, and I gave the yeah, address. Yeah. And I said, if you send me for July 4th, I will send you an, uh, 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 an official documenting, a document certifying you as an official certified Negro. <laughs> right. And that's how it came out. Yeah. Right? Uh, that's funny. I remember that. Yeah. Right? yeah. But, but that's how that evolved. And, and you didn't get the Emmy for writing it. No, I didn't get the Emmy for writing it. Damn. But, uh, you know, that's the way sometimes, that's, you know, I put it down more to that's how show business goes. Uh, I didn't look upon it as racist. Right. But I look upon it as system, not uh, systematically racist. Right. Yes. Right. The system. Sure. But uh, the people there deal with, deal with. But did you feel that, you know, when you were working in that first, in those first few seasons, did you feel uh, isolated? Did you feel like. You're... Yeah, I did. Yeah, I yeah, did. yeah. But my isolation, I have to blame on my parts as well, because I was definitely a introvert 100%. Yeah. I didn't do what you're supposed to do, which is, you know, after the show, you should hang out with the people on the show. Yeah. Go to the bar with them. Even then. Build a relationship. That's when that was established. Right. When you you're the first guy. I haven't talked to any of the originals. You're it, buddy. Really? I talked to Lorraine at a live one for like 15 minutes. That's it. Lorraine Newman. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I didn't talk to Chevy. I didn't talk to Dan. I didn't talk to none of them. 
I haven't wow. talked. You're it. You're, I, wow, really? And I've talked to a lot of SNL people, but you're the only one that has been in this garage that was an original primetime player. Wow, does that that put me up on a You're like Obama. Level? Okay, okay, okay. Because I'm about to talk about the level of your taste, but I see what you're talking Okay. Well, so all that stuff was established in those first few seasons. You do the show, you go out, you party, you hang out, you meet because it was getting which hot, I, right? Which I never did. Just because that's who you are. It wasn't because you didn't like people. You're just a personal, you're introvert. I am an introvert, and I would go home, yes, and sip a lot of coke, and do a lot of, okay, I'm not trying to sound like I'm some... Uh, probably we're going to do that. Use Menage a Trois with yeah. a couple of yeah. a couple of girls. Yeah, that's what I did. That's and not I, terrible. I, right, that's not terrible. <laughs> but it does mean that it's sort of like missing that golf game that you talk about. Right. You know mm-hmm. that golf game where the business happens. Right, right. Right. You should build a relationship. You should make sure that you work with have an attitude of positive contributing that they feel yeah. you're contributing. Yeah. And you can if they don't. Then you uh, then you're like that guy's a you problem. You got conspiracies, yeah. Sure, right? Yeah. Uh, and I and I realized that's one of my, my fault. But by the same token, there's a certain lethargy involved in a show that has established a premise that it's not working out. Because I feel that the radical premise it established in '75 should have included, with ease, my being able to be Yourself. a black thing on yeah. uh, every show. Right. Right. I had to fight for it. To be on the show at all. I, I had to fight for representational being on the show. Oh, and, and not yeah, being a couple of lines stereotyped. Here and there, a couple of lines here and there. Already, yeah. But finally it started happening with um, baseball being better than sure, the sure. Chicken Yeah. And stuff like that. Yeah. You know? um, but again, I'm not even saying it's, I accept some of the responsibility, but a lot of it had to do with the system and people who, Simply don't want to fight what they see the symptom doing. So you 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 consider yourself being you know stereotyped <laughs> and, and 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 the token black guy and and sort of pigeonholed in roles that were 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 minimized. Yeah, yeah, uh, but uh, mind you, I don't think of myself as a token, but I know that was being used. Okay, uh-huh. uh, they don't know what was going on behind. It was the being used a couple years ago, right? With that show, right? They're like, not, there's not right. enough black people. Hello. On there. Hello. So a lot of bloodletting was being done, but it just wasn't working. You know? Right. So a lot of people will say, "Well, why did you so and so watch this?" As if if you do, if they do that, it's going to happen. Right. Remind me, Republicans, right now. Excuse me, those motherfuckers wouldn't do nearly as good as Barack is doing right now. Mm-hmm. Yet they're saying when they're president, they don't know that. Yeah. Yeah. He's the president, and he knows what's coming out of him when the real president is there. Yeah. Same thing with program. Mm-hmm. That people look at it and think that you can actually work out your activist internal feelings. Mm-hmm. Believe me, I'm practically where Bernie Sanders is in my head, right? <laughs> right. I'm sure, and you know what I mean, I'm sure Barack is too. Mm-hmm. But I like the fact that he realized he could not do that if he got anything done. Now, I disagree. With the not having to have the single payment thing, okay? Yeah. I wish it would have worked harder not to have those motherfucking insurance, insurance companies in yeah. charge of everything, mm-hmm, okay? Mm-hmm. On that, conservatives have a good argument. Mm. But still, it is an accomplishment to have it at all. Right. Nobody ever did that. That's before, right. Yeah. Right? Incremental progress. Right. Incremental progress. And so the thing, like, people look at programs, yeah. even like the one I'm on now. Yeah. I've had people say, well, why don't they run as if I can go tell 15 riders, hey, goddammit, 
From now on, you write everything, and every line's got to be one that I get every laugh. And, for, uh, uh, you know, why? Because of my fans meet me out on the street and say to me, ha, 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 ha. Yeah. no, <laughs> I'm losing my job, <laughs> uh, first of all. And then what I do, I call that fan and say, lend me some money. He say, Gary, are you crazy? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so you follow the thing of these people out on the street at your peril. Well, you got to make, yeah, and, there's, and life is full of compromises. You just got to deal with what you can live with. Look. I would say this about two people I thoroughly admire, Dr. West and Tavis, mm -hmm. who've had me on their program. Mm -hmm. But I don't really like the real tenor of attacking the integrity, mm -hmm. okay, mm -hmm. of the president because he doesn't do what I, on the ultra-left side, would like to have. I'd like to have marijuana universally legal. Mm -hmm. I would have like to have Medicare, that's it. No, forget the insurance. I'd like to have that. Mm -hmm. But if he's there, and I know he wants that, it hasn't happened. If Cornell West was in there, or Tavis, or me, it wouldn't happen either. Right. Because the yeah. forces against us, I don't think I can really gauge that unless I'm there. I'm I have no right to say he right. has, attack his integrity. I have some concerns about a Tavis smile, uh, a smiley uh, presidency. <laughs> no, I'm not putting Tavis down because I, I really admire the tenor of his show. Yeah. Uh, but I'm just saying, I would not attack right. President Obama's integrity on that one. Gee whiz, everybody else is doing from the right so side. So, did you feel like you were getting this? You were getting a lot of this type of feedback when you were on SNL. Did you feel? Like I get a lot. Got a lot of that. I got. Um, okay, I'll give you a story because yeah. I used to look in the jet to see myself. In the Jet magazine, that, yeah. Every day, Jet, every week, Jet would mention black performers. Right. The Jeffersons. Uh, yeah. They never mentioned Garrett Marsh. Uh -huh. yeah. Never did Jet mention. And that was eating at you. That, look, I'm on TV, yeah. Jet. <laughs> yeah. I'm black. <laughs> yeah. Right? Uh, and all the time, and you know I'm not looking for it with this statement. Please, nobody call them. Yeah. There are a whole lot of things that happened in that, that uh, image show. Uh-huh. Way back there, I used to go just to look and see. Mind you, I'd already been nationally criticized and lauded for being Saturday Night Live, Saturday Night Live. Yeah. And a whole lot of things that issuing from it, I'm sure, affected comedy and stuff. You know. Then I'm doing a whole lot of stuff. I've never ever been, a, never been invited to one of those shows for anything. Really? Uh, never, right? Not that I should have been, yeah. but I'm saying there's a way in which sure you I know. Been. No, no, I'm saying right. which I know there's certain people out there who think because you're black, that's all. No. Black people have a right to have that difference. So there are some black people who look at me really in a way that makes me feel great. There are others who look at me really even now as an absolute Uncle Tom, mm -hmm. right? Or as someone who, because I didn't perform the way they would have, should be dealt with as anathema. And I would call some names of great programs mm -hmm. that are on one program they were going to do a, a rethink of on Saturday Night Live. We're going back. Okay. Saturday Night Live. Yeah. And they sent a lady to invite, to do a video, do a recording mm -hmm. of me uh, about the show for 45 minutes. 45 minutes, right? They don't invite me to be on the show. I'm not going to say who the word was, and please don't flow me because I don't want. And they invite. My beautiful lady Jane, Jane uh, Curtin, uh -huh. and Chevy to actually be on stage uh -huh. with the personage, uh -huh. right? And I'm on, I'm at L.A. I'm, I could have paid my own way, right? Yeah. I would have for this yeah. person, right? Sure enough, they do nothing at all about me, right? Now, mind you, I absolutely, 
absolutely view Eddie Murphy as an unqualified genius yeah. who deserves all of the praise yeah. for whatever you've done. Yeah. I don't see why that means Garrett Morris is, is anathema uh-huh. to some blacks. Uh-huh. I don't understand that. Yeah. And there are some really on high levels who feel that way. And this particular person showed it to me because when they did, in fact, have me, it was when the commercial was coming on and they had about 10 seconds of the 45 minutes. Uh, thing, mm-hmm. which tells the world doesn't know it, but I I understand that that person is saying, "You motherfucker, this is what I think of you." Mm-hmm. Anyway, but when you were there, I mean, working with these people, like, did you get along with like John Belushi and and Jane and everybody? Look, and- let's put it this way: I think John was an extraordinary, ingenious mm-hmm. actor. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, I was on cocaine, and nobody did to my personality. Mm-hmm. I never did what he did with cocaine. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to grant that a lot of the negative stuff that found us began to happen for he and I, he and I yeah. came out of that. All right. Oh, I didn't realize you guys were in, you know, had fights and stuff. No, it's more like there's a way in which, for whatever reason, he began to deal with me as an enemy. Yeah. Okay. At a certain point. Yeah. Uh, and um, I never understood why. Yeah. Uh, unless it was because of my rantings, which you know, which everybody, a whole lot of people talk badly about me then, and, why, and they should. What were you just crazy? Oh, you know, look, whatever you can think of that people do when they're on cocaine, yeah. I did it. Right? Okay. <laughs> so there's some stories that I did not engage in, but I'm allowing my because I did so much other crazy shit. Throw that in there too. Oh, really? Because right? there's one story that's an absolute lie that I what? was actually make naked in front of uh, Kirk Douglas, right? Yeah, yeah. Which I never did. But I'm like, hey, throw that in there too. Say whatever the hell you want, right? In other words, the the belief is that if you can say a guy went crazy on cocaine, then you can lie about him, sure. and he should. He did everything right did everything so how did it ultimately end there like what happened with the with you and lauren or how'd that go well i nothing happened really in five years we were all fired all let go uh and uh, i think a lot of it had to do with what all of us were doing that was dysfunctional Mm. uh i didn't realize how dysfunctional john's was yeah uh because it led to what it led to yeah um but um I personally am, don't have a lot of stuff I'm saying about the other people anyway because, first place, I really didn't hang out with them, and it's not a part of me to give up on that. I mean, I'm talking sure. about if you want to hear about me, sure, I'm talking about. Do me. you do you have relationships with any of them now? And do you ever talk to them? Do you ever run into shit? I always will answer that like this: I've been in a hundred shows, but the only show that people want me to actually have a relationship with is people inside and out loud. No, I haven't. Although I wish that Gilda was still around because yeah. Gilda was the kind of lady who she would make you, she would write you. Yeah. Um. I love Jane, but I think Jane was in in Martha's Vineyard. Yeah, yeah. Lucky Devil, uh, and um, although Lorraine is on on the West Coast yeah, again, she... my I had grown out of my introversion, so sure. uh, some of my I don't know people from my high school. Sure, no, I know. Uh, I, don't I, know. Come, I mean, know. obviously, people would ask that, but I'm always like, I'll ask anybody. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, in but, show business, like, yeah. how come you guys are in a movie? You're not hanging out, you know? But Tom Davis and I became uh, a oh, much better friend before guy. he passed yeah, away. Yeah, not too long ago. Yeah, huh? not too long ago. Oh, but I, that hurt because he was very young, very, very young. Yeah. Um, but other than that, no. Uh, and I, you know, it's as much my fault as anybody else because, again, um, you know, you got to reach sure. out of hand. Well, wh- how did it feel going back for that, that anniversary show? That was great. 
That was fantastic, man. Was it? Really, and you yeah. guys, you, it was, yeah. you know what amazed me? What? Not unlike when you just did that bit earlier, yeah. is how easily and quickly everyone popped into those old bits. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. like fucking right, yesterday. Right, right, right. I mean, did you see Dan do the bassomatic? Yeah, what right. the fuck? Fuck. Ah! Right? Yeah, ooh, my God. It was like time travel, dude. <laughs> I, I couldn't fucking believe it. I actually met, not that I'm saying it's a good thing or bad thing, Sarah Palin, mm-hmm. right? And the thing is, it's hard. It's really, and I'm gonna say this as a compliment. Yeah, you've got to be really. You've got to really impart. <laughs> Where's this going? Uh, uh, an intellectually dysfunctional aura mm-hmm. for me not even to notice that you are really good-looking chick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, I put that right, right? All right. Yeah. Okay. Because she's really a very good-looking chick. Uh-huh. But I swear, from all I've seen of her, it took me a moment to say, "Oh, get all that other stuff out of the way." Uh-huh. And yeah, she is. All right. So what happened after SNL? Well, after that, I had a couple of years in which I was, you know, recovering. I went to my, I licked my wounds. Where'd you go? Well, I was in New York. My wife then, Frida, uh, said, hey, let's go to L.A., you know, mm-hmm. let's check it out. And uh, at first it was slow because I did a whole about three or four years of horror films. Excuse me. Yes, I did it for the money. Mm-hmm. Fuck y'all. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they paid some nice bread for these films and I did mm-hmm. Uh, and but I can't start coming out uh, about in the nineties. Yeah, uh, you still out of your mind? Yeah, I'm still out of my mind. I'm still doing the cocaine thing. Yeah, and um, it took me. But I forgot what it was. But um, did the Jeffersons? Yeah, I did the Jefferson. The Jefferson, right? That's good. Oh my God, that was good. Oh, I love those Sherman and Isabel. Uh, and Marla, uh, whom I've done something else with lately. Uh, but Sherman was so congenial, so was Isabel. And um, Michael Moy, uh-huh. who was one of the writers, uh-huh. is one of the guys who got me in. right? And they had a whole six-episode series yeah. with uh, me as their son who had uh, conned him out of money. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then I came back. and uh, So you got some respect as an actor when you came out here? Yes, bit. yeah, yeah, but because of the mantle of comedy uh-huh. that was thrown on me, nobody knew that before that all I did was drama. Uh-huh. I had at least about 20 dramatic stuff. We did Car Wash before, that was before Yeah, Car Wash, right, Car Wash, uh, right, right. That was a hell of a right, movie, right. Huh? One of my one of the things I did with dramatic sense then the thing called jackpot. Yes, check it out on your uh, Netflix or whatever, whatever jackpot, starring Garrett Morris and Jonathan Grice. Uh-huh. But um, it's been few and far between. I'm not complaining because I've done Martin, I've done Jamie Fox, um, Ellen Show, you did Ellen, Ellen Claghorn, Ellen Claghorn, right? So now you're 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 well employed. Yes, thank you. And Morgan Murphy, right? And Morgan Murphy. And she hooked us up. That's right. Who, by the way, you should know that this guy should thank Morgan Murphy uh, because Uh she's a fine-looking, brilliant lady who apparently is (laughs) non-judgmental. Well, it took a few years. Uh, It took a few years. (laughs) (laughs) It took a little. We worked it out. You worked it out. Uh (laughs) Wait, what's the story about you getting shot? Yeah, I. Um, you tired of telling that story because I, I I know you I, I know you got shot. I think she I told me you I'm got tired shot. Of but uh, yeah, um, what I'm I'm um, going to get my car done, getting done. How long ago was this? 1993. I ran the um, 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 marathon, 
Did now, you? the last year that Marilyn Manson took it. On 19... Coke? No. Okay. Yes. Well, as a matter of fact, in <laughs> uh, 94, 94, uh, uh, no, I wasn't on the actual girl. 94 is when I got shot. Uh-huh. Um, and um, no more marathons after that. I uh, was um, getting my car done. A guy, this guy, uh, his name is uh, Kamadi. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was he does your car, man. Mm-hmm. But he was taking care of somebody else when I went to his place. So I said, "Well, come out! I'm going to get some orange juice." I said, "You want some?" And he said, "No." So I go out, and there's a couple of gangs on the either side of the street. Yeah. And a couple of them said, "Hey, uh, Stan! Hey, how you doing?" So they know me. Yeah. Right. Uh, but I don't realize that some people don't. Right. Yeah, right. And I have on this black jacket that had Africa on the back of it. Right. And I'm thinking that this person who jumped me wanted the jacket, uh-huh. but he jumped me wrong because believe me, <laughs> I at the time I was five foot six, yeah. weighed maybe 155 pounds. Although I am a black belt at the time, yeah. in no way am I about to charge into anything, yeah. okay? My main thing is to follow Richard Pryor's way. I'm trying to get out of your way to comedy, first of all. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. All right, I'm trying to reason out of your way, right? Uh-huh. And only if you get me in a corner, will I be like a cat who even if a pit bull gets a cat in the corner, before the pit bull kills that cat, yeah. he's going through a lot of shit, which <laughs> after the thing, you'll say, damn, I'm sorry I did that, <laughs> yeah. right? So I'm saying all of to say, had the guy come in front of me with a gun and say, Mr. Morris, hand me your Money, I was hand me that coat. I said, Yes, sir, here's my coat. Here's yeah, my money. Sure. My wife's at home. Go yeah. get that bitch. <laughs> yeah. Take my car. Uh-huh. Everything. No, he came from behind. Uh-huh. Now, I hadn't been in the dojo in years. And again, I'm saying my mentality is not to charge anybody with a gun. You got yeah. a gun, my hand's going up. Right. Because, matter of fact, the first thing uh, Duck Soon's son, who taught me, uh, taught us, first he starts his class off with, You know, you know, first I'm bullet. I asked my man, Naja, I said, Naja, what's he said? And Duck Soon repeated, you know faster than a bullet? He says, you're not faster than a bullet. <laughs> right. He starts his caps with that. Yeah. Right? So believe me, had the guy come from in front, I would have been told. He comes from behind, so I go into my routine right away. Though I hadn't been in the dojo. Uh-huh. So I'm embarrassing his ass, right? And I turn around to sidekick him, and the gun is pointed at me, right? And I say, hold on, brother, pow. Oh. And it goes through my arm, into my uh, thing. Uh, I get a colostomy I had to wear for like eight months. I was out for, um, it ricocheted to my body, knocked out an artery. Uh. Um, I was in a coma for like four days. Damn. I had uh, I had, a, had an arterial restoration. Um, and you were working at that right, time. Right, I had to have one, my lumbar five is missing because mm. the bullet um, went didn't go through. It oh. went into the middle of it. And it was a dumbbell that didn't explode. Thank you. So I got man. a lot of miracles going yeah, on. Yeah. And only because it traveled ricocheting mm. did it lose velocity. Oh. So by the time it hit hard bone, yeah. it had lost enough velocity. Oh, you would have been in a wheelchair. Through. Right. So uh, I had about a couple of years of a wheelchair, mm. another couple of years of the body cast yeah. and other things. Jesus. So, and I was told I would not walk or run. I was told I wouldn't run, but stay true on that. And I wouldn't walk without assistance. Well, if I get it up about an hour, I can walk without assistance, yeah. you know. And to show you how things happen that can lower your self-esteem, 
in one case and raise it in another. You would not believe that getting fired could actually raise your self-esteem, would you? Uh-uh. All right. I got fired while I was still in the hospital undergoing 10 major operations. The producers of the show fired me from the show I was in. What show? Martin. Uh-huh. Okay? And the thing that really fucks with me is that Martin went around the world onto talk shows telling people that he went by my bed and cried for me when, in fact, I was sitting on a bed after the second, third major operation and got a script saying about my part, Stan. Stan sells the radio station and moves to China. Now tell me, Mark, does that mean I'm still in the fucking show? No. I don't answer. Hell no. Right? Yet this guy had the nerve to do that and then go around telling people he had done the opposite. And I know it sounds like I'm dropping a dime, but I don't mind dropping it on what I consider to be uh, hypocrisy right in the bullseye of hypocrisy. Yeah. Okay. Having said that, uh, those people who know him know that um, brilliant comedian. Yeah. Maybe even a genius when it comes to that. Yeah. But when it comes to treating people in a certain way, yeah. he's also a genius at that too. Yeah. But I could never imagine myself mm. having somebody in a hospital who's been in my show right. having me do anything else but write to play in a way that fits what happened. Mm-hmm. Why couldn't Stan have been in an accident and still be in the show? Right. What happened to me came out of ego. That's mm. what I'm talking about. Sure. Okay? Yeah. Came out somebody who had had something against me anyway for whatever reason. Mm. I got the chance now, mm-hmm. right? Because he was believing that it was drug related, which it wasn't, mm-hmm. right? He didn't know the story. He didn't know the story and didn't care about the story. Or for that matter, if it had been drug related, what about the guy who's been in your show for three fucking years? Mm-hmm. What about your allegiance to him? Mm-hmm. Wait until you know the fucking real story, right? right? Yeah. He never talked to me. He never said anything to me, yet based on whatever he thought, I was fired after 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 four major operations. And I, I'm so full with this till when I talk about it, I gotta tell the truth. So you've you've recovered. I recovered, yes. You're doing all right. I'm doing fine, yes. Yeah. Yes. You look good. <laughs> well thank you, man. You got all your marbles. <laughs> well, my ex wife might disagree with that one, but <laughs> How uh, many ex wives? <laughs> two. Uh huh. You got kids? No, I don't. I have a whole lot of beautiful nep- nieces and nephews. Well, that's so. nice. They, they, I love. And I hope they're listening happily, joyfully. They keeping me broke. Okay, uh-huh, so uh-huh. I don't have kids to put my money on. But I have and it's sweet though. You're doing all right. You got actually. This- they work for me. Oh, do they? Yeah, they and they, uh, my machine works very efficiently because of my nieces and nephews. Oh, that's great. Yeah, and yeah. did you did you own a comedy club? Yes, yes, yes. And for those who may be interested, we are on hold until February. Mm-hmm. L.A. Blues and Comedy. Check it out. We're on hold until February. What does that mean, on hold? We're uh, we're down. Uh, the show's closed until February. And what? Do you, how does that show work? What do you do down there? Uh, me and a guy named Deacon Jones, who's a great uh, Hammond Three B Three organist. Oh, I love it. We do blues mm-hmm. and comedy. Because mm-hmm. my opinion, blues itself is just somebody. So it's a yeah, variety show. A variety show, right? Um, so uh, we do uh, intersperse our blues, our songs uh-huh. with uh, several comedians. And what's uh, the venue? Huh? Where's it at? Well, right now we were nowhere. Oh, all okay. right. So you don't have a home. We don't have a home right now. Mm-hmm. No. And when we walked into this, you were in my kitchen and you saw that that uh, that drawing of Red oh, Fox. Oh, Red Fox! There, hey, he was a god to me, man. Did you know him? 
Let me tell you a story, man. One of the most beautiful stories in my life yeah. was when I went to the safari, safari to see him. Mind you, as a kid, I'd seen him at the Dixie Theater in New Orleans. Uh-huh. And I'd seen him on TV. Uh-huh. And I had already had the honor uh-huh. when I was in Saturday Night Live of knowing that he had implied, he had incurred whether or not I could come do an episode of Sanford and uh-huh. As I'm sitting there, listening to him do his show, doing his work. Where's the safari? Safari in Las Vegas. Okay. He's doing Gotta Wash Your Ass, right? Yeah. <laughs> the classic. So, yeah, yeah. So I'm going through the whole thing, and my wife at the time, Frida, says, yeah. he's talking about you. <laughs> so I said, now you ain't talking about me. Then I listen, and I realize he said, this guy came to came to New Orleans. I said, oh, yeah. Right? You know what he does? What? Stand up, Garrett Morris. Everybody give Garrett Morris a hand. And he talked for about a minute about me. He said, okay, man, sit down. I see my dressing room. Have swords. And he called the guy's name. Have a poker or peppy. Yeah. Go yeah. take the dressing room. And I'm not going to say what else happened in the dressing room. Oh, okay? He had a good time. Oh, good time. Had a good time, right? Yeah. <laughs> good time. I'll tell you this. He had the finest looking young chick from Ohio. <laughs> you talk about... Robbing the crystal. Yeah. Some pretty good coke, too. <laughs> he, he robbed a womb. <laughs> oh, okay. yeah. oh, boy. He, yeah. <laughs> he liked to have fun. Did you say pretty good coke? Yeah. I didn't say that. Yeah. But you look, didn't say that. I said it. Look, yeah. okay. Yeah. Everybody knew about it. He had the kind of stuff <laughs> that Keith to apparently now. Yeah. He wasn't that way when I saw him at the 40th. Yeah. But I guess I can talk about Keith. He talks about himself. Keith Richards? When he would come, Richard, but when yeah. he would come to the show, the yeah. good thing about Keith. Yeah. Is that he wouldn't have the bad connections I would have. Yeah, right. Because right. <laughs> I would be stomped on all the time, right? Yeah, right. He would have pure pharmaceutical cocaine, <laughs> man, that rises up from the fucking bottom. He'd bring it up. I say, why is it empty on the bottom? Garrett, that's, <laughs> that's pharmaceutical cocaine. Yeah. Motherfucker. Yeah. And he would just move the whole fucking table, man. Yeah. No. That's Keith. I talked to him. That's Keith. I talked yeah. to him. That's why he's still alive, Garrett. Yes. And <laughs> look, you talk about really knocking you out. Because I know what you say about his other life. I regard him as an utter genius. Who, Keith? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Utter. Yeah, the best. He, I heard across the room on the phone, Garrett, is that you? <laughs> yeah. Garrett. Uh-huh. He you loved you. I mean? He loved yeah. you. Yeah. You know who also knocks me out when who? I meet him? Who is, I think, one of the most magnanimous guys. Who? Who... I don't know what you're talking about. His acting. I love his acting. Tom Hanks. Oh, yeah. I saw him on his Broadway show, right? Yeah. Now, Dick Cabot is there. Everybody's there, right? I'm not even in the room yet. Mm-hmm. I'm behind Dick Cabot. He peeps around like that. Ladies and gentlemen, mm-hmm. so, so, so. and he starts quoting Cabot saying, uh, the top star tonight. Yeah, yeah. Come on in here, Garrett, boy. Yeah. This is Tom fucking Hanks, right? Yeah. Now, I know you're saying he's just like everybody. Yes, he is. But you understand, every right. time I met him. Nice guy. He's been a nice guy. You're not even aware of the fact that this is a fucking Academy Award winner who's got billions in the bank mm. and stuff. He, I mean, I'm sure he deals with everybody that way. Yeah. Yeah, he seems like a good yeah, guy. Yeah, he's a good Well, I tell you something, man. Your grandma was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
You did all right. <laughs> Thank you. Show business has been very, very good to you, Garrett Morris. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. Hey, you're doing all right, man. In this garage, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> looking I'm, cool. I'm working from I, home, brother. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know there's some porno mags around here. Yeah, we'll do that after. Yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll give you some porn after. I want to see some Jenna Jameson and some Vanessa, Vanessa Del Rio. I could do that right on the computer. Vanessa oh, Del Rio. Yes, oh, yes, my God. Yes, remember her? I do remember her. All right, buddy. Thanks, man. All right, man. Okay. Thank you, Mark. That was fun. A lot of fun, a lot of fun, man. Uh, let's see, what time is it? Can I go to... Where, Inglewood? Yeah. Is yeah. this right, 629? Yeah. It's on the 629? Yeah. I can go to Inglewood. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, it's easy from here, man. Right. I'll show you. Sure is. I'm coming over, baby, if it's all right with you. Okay, okay, I'll be over there, baby. All right. Okay, well, bye. She sounds like a nice lady. She's very nice. Okay, that was uh, Garrett Morris. I hope you had a good time. <laughs> uh, I, I, I enjoyed that immensely. Go to WTF Pod for all your WTF Pod needs. Let's not get into it too deep. I'm sort of in a time crunch right now. And I need to play guitar, right? Go clean right into the the little beast with the black beauty.